We have three scripture readings this morning. I'm going to read one of them to get us moving. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 13. Listen now to the word of God. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave, gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are in the midst of a series called The Other Six. Dr. Meyer kicked us off last week in talking about the need for us to recognize how, as Christians, we don't just serve in the church, nor do we only gather and serve on Sundays, but we are sent out by Jesus into the world in the other six days to um, bring Christ's love and witness to the world around us. I want to take just a minute to look back at our series called Press Pause that we did back in the spring and remind us that the week is God's given unit of time for us. In six days, God created. Then on the seventh day, God rested from his work. That was the press pause. But in those six days, we are called to do the work of Christ around us. And so the Sabbath then, our Sabbath day, consists of three things. First of all, to rest secondly, to remember, and thirdly, to prepare to re-enter. In this day, we're called not to work, but to rest in Christ, in worship. We're called to remember how God delivered the people of Israel from bondage out of Egypt and how God delivers us from our sin. And all of the purpose of this sin is to re-enter into those other six days in such a way that we make an impact for Christ in the world around us. So the Sabbath observance forms for us both a rhythm of life and a vision for life as we enter into these other six days. We're going to be looking at three scripture readings this morning, and I want to set the timeline for you. The first is Jesus before he ascended into heaven, which would have been in about 33 AD. The second from 1 Corinthians almost 20 years later in the mid-50s. And finally, the letter to the Ephesians, which I just read to you, six years after that toward the end of Paul's ministry. And I mention that because the church was given a basic commission and then had to learn how to live that out, how to act that out. We are not people who can perfectly serve or understand immediately. And so God continues to teach us and move us toward his vision of what our lives look like. So with that in mind, let's take a look at the very important words of Jesus from Acts 1 verse 8. And in this, we find Jesus addressing us as the sending Lord, the Lord who sends us out into the world. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So you and I are sent by Jesus into this world, and, and it's important that we think about the radical nature of this call to the disciples. They had come to Jerusalem with Jesus at the Passover time, and 
Jesus was crucified there. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And as far as they were concerned, that was probably their place of ministry. And it probably seemed even more so than at the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down upon the church and empowered them. And in that same place, thousands of people were brought to faith in Jesus Christ. There were conversions, there was growth, there was fruit. Jesus gave to them the Great Commission and the Ascension words, and they must have thought, great, this is the place. We're right here. But Jesus says, no, that's only one of the places. That's the place where it started, and that's the place from which it heads out into the world. So he reminds us in this passage that the purpose of our faith and the benefits we receive goes far beyond our own personal benefit. Now, Jesus said to us, God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's clear that God loves us. But in this call to ministry, it's clear that God loves not only us, that God wants us to experience his great grace and infilling of the Spirit and to move out then into the world to go, to be sent. So it's a new vision for the disciples, and in some ways it's a new vision for us. Jesus didn't say to them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you'll just go to church. Well, that's part of it, but that's not all of it. We begin with worship, we grow, and we move out in service. So Jesus says you're going to receive power here. Now, the Greek word for power is the word from which we get the word dynamic. So something dynamic is going to happen. Something powerful is going to happen. And then Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. There's a personal connection. And the word witness means that we're going to be people who tell the story. Now, I know many of us kind of put ourselves off the hook because we say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Well, not all of us do have the gift of evangelism, but all of us are called to be witnesses. We're called to tell the story of how God has loved us and impacted our lives. That is the job of every Christian, whether we are in, um, having the gift of evangelism or not. So listen to these images. It's dynamic, it's relational, it's purposeful, it's missional. We are sent to make a difference in the world. There's a story told of a man who lived in a town where there was a huge refinery. And he had an opportunity one day to go ahead and tour the refinery. So he got to the gates and, and the host led him in and showed him all the contraptions and things that made the refinery work. And they were there a couple hours because it was pretty big and pretty complex. At the end of that time, the host said, well, what'd you think? And the, the guest said, well, that's very interesting, but you didn't show me the shipping department. Where's the shipping department? And the host said, well, there really isn't any shipping department. You see, all the energy it takes to run the refinery gets put back into the refinery and it all stays here. Now, that's absurd, of course. But unfortunately, that can be our picture of the church. And the good news is that God has put together a shipping department, and it's you and me. We are God's shipping department to move out into the world with the gospel dynamically to be Christ's witnesses. We many times reduce the sphere of this just to the church. When we're called to come here to be energized, to grow, to fellowship, to encourage, and then to move out from this place during the other six in witness to Christ. 
Well, how do we recover a proper focus? Well, first of all, we need to be convinced that Jesus does call us to go. And I don't think it's any more clear than what we see here. We need to be convinced then that God makes it possible for us to do this by giving us the power to go out and the giftedness to go out. And then God needs to convince us that our church involvement is part of the whole seven days, not an end of itself, but part of thrusting us out then into the world. So Jesus said this in Jerusalem before he was ascended. So he is the sending Lord. And then Jesus talks about, or rather through the Apostle Paul, he talks about the specific gifts. I'd like to read you from, second, rather from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all people. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. So if the concept of going is the what, this is the who. Each of us, each and every person who has given our life to Christ is given a spiritual gift to be used for the common good in the work of ministry. These gifts are gifts which sometimes build upon the talents that God has naturally given to us. Sometimes it comes in some kind of supernatural way that, that causes us to go out and do things and equips us to do things that we've never done before. But the gifts always move through individuals toward the common good of the witness of the gospel. And so to see ourselves as part of this plan is very important. Each and every person is gifted. Each and every person is sent. So we each witness from our perspective, our strengths, our experiences, our sphere of influence. And so we need to be willing to buy into that and to allow God to send us into the world. It doesn't always happen easily. I want to look at three tendencies that tend to hold us back. These are impediments that keep us from claiming these gifts and moving into the world. The first is a tendency toward apathy. We say to ourselves, I can't make any difference, so why bother? The world's too big, there's too much to do, what kind of difference can I make? And so we never even start. The world's too far gone, can't even bother to make the effort. And yet, God has a plan. And God's plan is the redemption of the entire world. And God's plan is to use us. And God is bigger than any aspect of the world around us. God created the world. God is redeeming the world. And God is using us as part of that redemptive work. So the tendency toward apathy is one we need to push aside and move forward from. The second is a tendency toward what I'll call insignificance. That we think, well, maybe somebody could make a difference, but I'm not big enough. I'm not good enough to make a difference. And this fails to trust in God's power to work through you and through me. That God has specifically gifted us, and because of that, we are a significant part of God's plan. In terms of the total effort of what God wants to accomplish in the world, every person is needed. 
every person, each and every one of us, because every gift is needed, every gift is valued, and every gift is needed in the places where Christians are planted. There's no way that I as a pastor or John or any of us as pastors or any staff of the church can go every place where the gospel needs to be shared. But collectively, together, each and every one of us together goes out and makes a touch for the gospel in that place. And so there's a sense of incompleteness in God's vision for ministry if you and I aren't all involved with it. And Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 12 to talk about how every single part is necessary. He has us think of, the, of this in terms of a body. If we don't have our eyes or if we don't have our feet or our hands, the body is in a very real sense incomplete. So the tendency towards insignificance also needs to be moved beyond. And the third one is the tendency toward what I'll call deflection. That while somebody else can do it better, and so I'm just going to go ahead and let them go ahead and do it. And so what happens is we look to others, we expect them to carry a load that's beyond what they're called to carry because we're called to carry part of the load as well. Yes, they can do their part. They will do their part. But you and I need to do our part as well. Our gifts are needed in what I'll just call the game. And God is clear about that. So how do we go about discovering these gifts? I want to introduce you to a couple slides you've seen all throughout um, the last few weeks. The first is a class called First Steps, Gaining Sight for the Journey. This is a class that our Grow Ministry is offering, and it will help you establish a sense of rhythm toward your own spiritual growth. You'll learn things that will help you go deeper in your vision and in your use of Scripture and your sense of empowerment for God's ministry through you. And the second one is a spiritual gifts class, Discover Your Spiritual Gifts. Great class to get together, take a spiritual gifts inventory, and begin exploring with people how your particular giftedness can make a difference in the world. So we've called the sermon Using Your Tools, and this, both of these are ways to sharpen your own tools for the gospel. I, um, many years ago, knew a man by the name of Waldo Thompson. When I met Waldo, he was in his mid-80s. He was a retired master cabinet maker, and he was just an amazing guy. He did some really wonderful stuff. He was, this was 30 years ago, so he was old enough to where he had started his work before power tools were in existence. I mean, he just did things by hand. If you've ever seen the molding up in the corners of houses or the baseboards that you see, it's always cut in a particular way. We do that with routers these days. It just go through and it's all done. But in those days, they would take a piece of metal and they would machine that to where it had that same contour and then they would mount it in a piece of wood and literally plane it like that. Waldo, approaching 90 years old, lived next to the president's house at Lewis Clark State College in Lewiston, Idaho. And they were trying to duplicate some of the molding, and it couldn't be done with the routers and the power tools that people had today. So they went over to Waldo's house. He still had the tools. He pulled the tools out, and at almost 90, he did that molding to complete the job. Now, there were many craftspeople in this. He didn't do the whole job. And all of them were needed, but they needed Waldo's tools to complete the job. And that's the illustration of the body of Christ, that God wants to use all of our tools to complete the job. So we have Jesus who sends us, the Holy Spirit who gives us specific gifts, and then there is a strategic plan in place. And I already read that scripture to you, so I'm gonna pass by that. 
And this is the how, that together in the body of Christ, we help one another discover these gifts, we support one another throughout the living out of those gifts. So there's a divine coordination in all this that requires us to fellowship with one another and to move out from the body of Christ. This sense of teamwork propels us into the world, whether it's in Jerusalem, which is the locale that we live in, or Judea, which is the surrounding regions, or Samaria, which exemplifies people different from us, or to the very ends of the earth. The whole mission is supported when each and every person takes their place in their location with their gifts and serves Christ. A quote that I put on the cover of your bulletin from Pastor Ray Stedman that I just love, he says, have you ever noticed that the really important figures in the New Testament are not the priests and the monks? They're the shepherds, fishermen, tax gatherers, soldiers, politicians, tent makers, physicians, and carpenters. These are the ones who occupy the center of the stage. So it must be again today. You can plug in any type of vocation, any type of neighborhood involvement, any type of volunteer work, any type of activity, and that's, if that's you, then that's where God wants you to be serving. So to go back to the refinery image, how are you positioning yourself to be fully refined to enter into the shipping department and head out then into the world around us? I mentioned classes. We have small groups which you can be involved in. There are service opportunities, all of which can help you learn what your tool is and to sharpen it in such a way that it more fully serves Jesus Christ. So I'm inviting you to do a few things, to pray about a vision for where God wants you to serve. In other words, pray about the location of that. Pray for your own vision for being involved in Christ's work. To be open to the Spirit's leading, even if it seems to be unannounced, as God speaks to you in a given day, you know, maybe you ought to go there and do this. Follow that leading of the Holy Spirit. Discern your gifts in an intentional and systematic way. Really dig into this so that you can do something out of that giftedness. Become part of a small group and just ask God to use you in the world around you. Quick story to finish. When I was a freshman in high school, um, I was on the JV football team. And all of us were about that big, and we weighed about 30 pounds, it seemed like. And our first scrimmage was against some guys from a high school much bigger than ours. And for some reason, the guys were much bigger than we were, too. So we were just getting beaten up. I mean, I remember just getting knocked all over the place. And we had a very talented young quarterback. He was our second-string quarterback because he was being kind of groomed to, to start later on. And he's watching all this happen for about a quarter and a half of football. We're all dirty and beaten up and stuff. And the coach comes up to him and says, Mike, are you ready to go in? He says, uh-uh, coach. I don't want to go in there. I don't want to go do that. And he looked at him and, and he grabbed him and he threw him into the game anyway. He was afraid. That's okay. He got into the game. He did his best. And he grew into a phenomenal quarterback. So if you feel inadequate, if you feel like the world around you is too rough, if you feel afraid, Remember that Jesus is the one who says, I will never leave you or forsake you, so go. Go into the world in the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit and be my witnesses where you are. The Apostle Paul said, forgetting what lies behind, I press on to the goal of the upward call 
in Christ Jesus. Friends, let's use our tools for the work of Christ's kingdom. Amen.